0: The Bear Essentials podcast gives older bears a place to gather for real talk regarding topics and issues that they can relate to. Here at the Bear Essentials, we aren't just having conversations. We are looking to provide actionable intelligence through real life experience and expertise of our guests. Our mission is to build a strong community that elevates and motivates people to go beyond their limiting beliefs by helping them realize that getting older is not an excuse to hibernate on their goals, but a reason to work harder. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Charles Wallace. Today's guest served his country as a member of the United States Marine Corps, and he continues to serve his community as he has been a law enforcement officer for over 20 years. And he's doing his very best to spread a message of positivity and help people smile about life. So without further ado, let's jump right into my interview with Banning Sweatland. But first, a word from our sponsor. The Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Fire Beast Jerky. With flavors ranging from Tropical Flair to Sweet Reaper, Fire Beast has something for all jerky lovers. And with over 30 years of experience making small batch big flavor jerky, Fire Beast is sure to deliver quality, affordable jerky directly to your doorstep anywhere in america so head on over to firebeastjerky.com and be sure to use code bear 10 at checkout and receive 10 percent off your order from firebeast the heat that is sweet hey
1: banning thanks for joining how you doing today i'm doing great sir i appreciate the invite to come on your show
0: oh man the privilege it's a it's a privilege for me to have you on i'm a huge supporter of police and military. I can't thank you all enough for what you guys do and what you, what you put at risk. So, so thank you for that right up front. Um, could you introduce yourself to the audience, please? Uh,
1: absolutely. My name is Banning Swetland. Uh, I currently work in North Texas as a uh, county uh, deputy sheriff. I've been in law enforcement now for 21 years and before getting into law enforcement, uh, I spent four years in the United States Marine Corps.
0: So, Based on that, I guess I'll just I'll just start with this, actually. So has has wanting to serve others? Has that been something that you've always wanted to do, even from a younger age? Or was it something that you kind of grew into?
1: You know, it was uh, the 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 earliest memory I had of, of wanting to serve or or at least being law enforcement was around uh, five or six years old and uh, recall myself. Uh, writing my my grandmother's citations for vacuuming too fast uh, out in Big Spring, Texas, uh, thinking that that law enforcement was going to be my gig, not knowing that I would actually get into it. But I uh, sure enough did. My family always reminds me it was a a reunion that we were having or a Christmas gathering when I did the uh, citing her for vacuuming too fast. Obviously, it was a joke on on my side, but uh, it kind of stuck with me. Uh, throughout these years and i'm I'm constantly reminded of that of that day and but so yes a very very early age that i wanted to get into law enforcement i'm so glad that i, I stayed with that dream
0: all right so i have to ask you are those tickets outstanding or did you pay off?
1: <laughs> she 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 took care of those in the hole within uh, within a day or so
0: nice nice well and now um i'm surprised you didn't cut her a break being your grandmother but i guess hey <laughs> You break the law, you have to pay the price, right, man? Um, you bet. You no, bet. that's fantastic. So, as far as the military, uh, what did you go in right out of high school? How, were you were you young when you went in the military? I,
1: I did. So, I I went to basic training. I went to Paris Island uh, in the Marine Corps. I was recruited east of the Mississippi. Uh, three days after high school graduation is when I uh, went to Meps, got everything done, and and shipped off to. Paris Paris Island, so there was absolutely no break. I knew at, at that time in my life that the college wasn't for me, and I pretty much needed a a filler between high school and 21 years of age to, to become a police officer. And I thought, you know, nothing better than to serve our country, not, not really knowing what the, the Marine Corps was all about until I got there, uh, wanting to serve our country until I was old enough to take a role in law enforcement.
0: So banning, when as far as your military service, where did you end up? Were you have you were you uh, where at? Were you overseas? What?
1: So basically, when I when I went in, um, I, I joined as uh, they basically they laid out a deal in front of me. The recruiter did, and he said, you know what, you know, they have hundreds of jobs on there. What do you want? Uh, he said, due to your due to your ASVAB score, you can pretty much you know take what what position you want as long as you can get through that training of whatever it is. And I said, well, what's the, what's the hardest right now? And I had this big thing to, uh, I think I was trying to prove things to myself and to to other people that since I wasn't going to college, I could do a a hard role in the military. Well, you told me that uh, Marine Corps Security Force Company was a, a high washout rate. Um, so I ended up going to Marine Corps Security Force Company, which uh, it's up in Chesapeake, Virginia, where the training is at. And then I was actually stationed stateside my entire my entire tour, so I never had I don't have any uh, hero missions of going overseas over in the over in the sandbox and doing anything. I I was in during uh, uh, peacetime, mm-hmm. so I got out uh, two weeks before the towers got hit. Um, I don't I I got a lot of really neat training that was able to transition for me. Uh, into law enforcement and I'm able to take that training and, and uh, implement that on new officers that whoever I train. So uh, no, no amazing stories or anything like that.
0: No, I mean, just, just doing what you did. Can we talk, I want to touch on one thing though. You said you were, you were, you were looking for the hardest thing to do. And, and that's, I, I literally, I I have a lot of people on we talk about mindset and things like that. So has, When you're in law enforcement trying to, you know, help teach others things like that, is mindset, is it something that you've always carried with you from that training that you're really trying to instill in others and, and push them to do harder things?
1: It is, uh, you know, I got to experience early on in my law enforcement career that if, if you don't have the the proper mindset and you go into a stressful situation, uh, there's a lot of things that you're, your body's not going to pick up on from hearing to seeing uh, movements from people. If, if you don't have the right mindset and you're not there 100%, it, it can really mess with you in the moment and uh, possibly get you injured or you being a law enforcement officer, injuring somebody else. So absolutely mindset is absolute key. And I did learn a lot of mindset in the Marine Corps. Um, however, I developed my own uh thought process, if you will, for going to a priority one call that's uh, hard to transition to another person. However, I just tell them what I do on the way to the call that that helps me cope with what may or what's about to happen to help me take care of that stress.
0: I want to unpack that a little bit because it's something interesting you said. So even for me, when I think about mindset, and I think for most people, when we talk about mindset, we, we think about the just the real gritty part of it, right? Like having that mindset that you're able to, to do hard things and things like that. You you touched on something there that I don't think people really connect with mindset. And it was more about just, I would say, like an overall thing, right? You mentioned some things about having a mindset for the situation, right? Like, I think, could you jump into that a little more? Like, when you say that, is it, I, it doesn't sound to me like it's just this, gritty, tough mindset. There's, there's more to it. And could you explain that a little more?
1: Sure. Uh, So I'm definitely not a doctor or or a a psychiatrist, psychologist, but I know about my body to be able to operate efficiently, I've got to be able to have enough oxygen on board. Um, Obviously you have to feed a machine, you have to fuel a machine, uh, do what you have to do. But if you don't have enough oxygen on board, things are going to start shutting down. Um, so when I have rookies and I'm doing certain sets of training in an abandoned building, if we're doing active shooter scenarios or, or just, just any priority, one type call to where your body's going to go to to fight or flight, I can sit there and physically see when that switch flips inside of a rookie to where they are no longer taking anything in uh, audibly uh, they're not putting anything out verbally. They've gone into essentially fight or flight and they're a sitting duck. I mean, there's so many different, uh, names you could call it, but what I personally use is if I know that I'm going to a bad situation, uh, an example, uh, dispatch is sending you to a family violence call or a family domestic, and they telling you that weapons are involved. The neighbors are reporting, uh, people hearing, uh, hits or people up against the wall or even sometimes we've gone to these to where you know you're hearing gunshots Uh, so you're obviously going to something that you may not make it home to if you don't play your cards right and use all the training that you've received within your law enforcement career so what I do is and and I'm going to tell you I I hate the use of this name but tactical breathing Mm -hmm. so you have box breathing or tactical breathing and that's something to wear uh, for your for your listeners and people that are watching this hundreds of different free apps on apple uh, all the different app stores that you can go to i mean you don't have to pay for it but it teaches you how to control your breathing to reoxygenate your body and what it's going to do. It's going to, it's going to lower your blood pressure. It's going to lower your heart rate. And once you do all that, you're going to, you're going to regain your, your fine motor skills. And obviously as a law enforcement officer, you may or may not have to, to retrieve your firearm, uh, in a bad situation or use a taser or, or go what I call hands-on with somebody to control their movements, uh, to not hurt themselves anymore, or hurt anybody else. And you need those fine motor skills, and you have to be able to communicate with people. Um, And we have to make sure we do it without hurting them. So when you do box breathing and tactical breathing on a way to a certain situation, it's going to keep all that stuff lower. You're going to be a much calmer person when you get on scene. When you're speaking on the radio, you're a lot more uh, cool, collect. People can understand you. And people that are running to you hear your calm within the storm, And they're going to slow their roll a little bit and get their safer. And they're going to be calmer. I've been doing this for 21 years. I've seen both sides of that coin several times. And I'm going to tell you, box breathing, tactical breathing, whatever you want to call it, is my uh, medicine, if you will, to keep people calm in a bad situation.
0: Man, I think that's such valuable advice, even for Banning, as you're saying, and I'm sitting here thinking of you know, just people outside of law enforcement, right, just okay. in our everyday lives, right, like, sure. we we all encounter situations every, every day where I feel that that could come in handy, it doesn't have to be, you know, law enforcement, military, that, that could really, really come in handy, I, I believe, and um, yeah. you said you said a couple other things there that I definitely want to talk about. And the one that stuck out with me is, and I mean, I'll just say it. I mean, I've never met you in person, but you're obviously a big man. You're, you're much bigger than myself. But the fact that, you know, I would assume like somebody sees you, maybe they're more willing to comply, right? But the fact that you state right off the bat, like, we don't want to hurt anybody. Is that something that you really – carried on with you from the beginning because i i do think certain times it's unfortunate right there's probably people who who join police force that they're they're more in it to i'll say it they're out there to kick ass right that's what they want to do hearing somebody like you with the calmness and the level-headedness say that i mean is that something you're you're doing yourself obviously but you're really trying to get across to anyone you're training
1: it it is uh even in high school. So I I went to, to many different schools growing up. I I grew up all over this country and I'm thankful for that. I believe it makes me more uh, worldly and learns a lot. And every time I came into a new school, uh, I have bright red hair, six feet tall, um, you know, around 300 pounds. So whoever your big athletic guy, or I'm going to say girl that kind of was the bully or, or whatnot in the school system, um, they saw me come in and sometimes they would look at me as a threat, Mm. even though I'm not doing anything to provoke them. I'm coming to school and going home. I I try to, you know, or athletics or whatever it was. So it seems like I was challenged in several different schools growing up. It it, it stopped uh, getting into high school Um, guys and gals just didn't, didn't challenge me as much then. And I'm I'm thankful for them. that They didn't, I I hate hurting somebody. That's the last thing I want to do, but yes, Uh, Anytime I'm training officers uh, that that come to me for, for training, it's, it's, we can do so much more with our mind and our mouth and our heart uh, without the brawn. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's good to be in shape. Uh, It's nice to be able to bench X amount of weight or, or, or cling a whole bunch of weight off the ground. You know, I've, I've had to rip people out of a driver's seat, not not for taking them to jail because their car's on fire or, and yes, I've had to do it for taking them to jail too. But The last thing I want to do is hurt somebody, but um, you know, reaching across the, the driver's plane or what's called a, the B pillar in a car, uh, cutting somebody's seatbelt and then jerking them out. I mean, you, you've got to be on your a game for one, you've got to have your back in shape and you got to work out quite frequently and cardio in shape to be able to do that. So it, it helps to, to, to be in shape doing this job. But when it actually comes down to you know, quote unquote talking somebody off the ledge, um, your mouth, uh, whatever psychology you've learned growing up, uh, and your home situation is really going to help you. I've, I've talked to people out of fights a lot more than I've been in them. And I've been in a, a ton of fights in my law enforcement career, um, after somebody else has started at law enforcement or at a third party um, innocent person. And we have to, to, to end that threat. And, and I hate to, to word it that way, but but you have to, because that's why we're there to do is we're end the threat and create peace. Hmm. So if you just treat somebody like a human being, like you want to be treated and uh, and they're cognizant, they can hear you and they don't have drugs on board or a lot of alcohol and they're willing to, to listen um I mean you can get a lot solved with just with this and this you know and using your head but but yes it's you know that they, they call it in the news what is it a de-escalation and um yeah I've been de-escalating people for years and not just me thousands of law enforcement officers across this country do exactly what I do every day
0: yeah, and that was the next thing I wanted to ask you. You led right into it. Like you're a pro at this. You do a lot of these spanning. <laughs>
1: I, I I do I do uh video podcasts from, from from time to time, yes, sir.
0: Well, thanks for the segue. So the other thing I obviously I want to talk to you about was communication skills. Like I think that that's something that I don't think people realize how important that is for law enforcement. And I think you touched on it some, but I mean, I, I almost think that's another another tool in your toolkit that is probably used more often than most.
1: You bet. You bet. And so communication bar none, you know, like I said, doing this for over 20 years now is, is in a hole. So how, how does law enforcement get involved with things when they're on duty? And I can just speak to you from, from being in it. we we either see something we have to intervene um, and let the, the course go through from either processing somebody into jail, or if it's a if it's a, a lost child, we're getting flagged down by a parent. We have to get canine on scene and and setting up a perimeter. And this all comes back to that communication. What tools do I have available with the department that I'm at at the time that I can deploy in a timely manner to either catch somebody and and bring them before a judge, uh, or find a child uh, depending on the temperature and get them to the hospital um so communication is key but that that that's also a full circle uh, um a good friend of mine once told me uh he said banning w- w- what does the dispatcher say when they when you call 911 well personally i've maybe called 911 three times in my life when i was off duty reporting a a drunk driver in front of me or or uh, a fight that maybe my wife and I had witnessed um, and we're trying to get law enforcement there to, to stop somebody getting hurt. But that communication from the caller to the dispatcher, the dispatcher to the officer uh, or to any other first responder out there. So the dispatcher has to be able to ask the right questions. And, and, you know, I'm not sure about the state of the in but here in Texas, dispatchers are finally, um, uh, privileged with being calling, uh, being called first responders. So for many many years, they were they were in the same classification as a taxi cab dispatcher in the city of New York. Hmm. That's how legislators looked at nine one one dispatchers. Well, at least in Texas, and I think we're we're leading the way on it. They're actually classifying them as first responders. There's a lot of them that do EMD, which is emergency medical dispatch, saving a life over the phone, instructing somebody through CPR, et cetera, et cetera. I could go down that rabbit hole, but I'm not going to. But just back to the communication realm of this, the dispatcher has got to ask the right questions. Um, The caller has got to be calm enough, and that's part of the dispatcher's job to get them calm, to relay the information that the dispatcher needs so he or she can get on that keyboard and utilize whatever, you know, resources available to them to get them to the scene. Um, Going back to, and I hate to to get back on this, is what my friend asked me, what does a dispatcher say when you call 911? What is your emergency? So what people fail to realize in this country, to no fault of them, is when you're calling 911, you truly are the first responder. Hmm. Me, the deputy, coming to the scene after I've been told what is going on, or what they think is going on, I am the emergency responder. So a shift needs to to start happening in this country to realize when these people, it takes a lot to call nine one one. It's not just oh well, hey how's it going just want to let you know guy got shot over here. You have to build that up. I mean you're witnessing something. You're you're being a good witness as a citizen and letting that dispatcher know everything sometimes you have to go in and intervene um you may not want to but you're 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 a good person and you and you want to go over here and you want to stop that person from bleeding and dispatch may walk you through those steps to do that well if you're the only one there and you don't you know nobody else is there wearing a uniform doing things guess what you're the first responder congratulations mm-hmm. so a lot of people don't realize that and I just wanted to kind of share that a, a good friend shared that with me years ago and I'm each time I I, I speak to somebody, I try to let them know that if you're calling 911 and you're helping people, you're truly a first responder and thank you for what you do. And I'm an emergency responder that comes there that says, how can I help? If that makes any sense.
0: No, it makes a lot of sense. And honestly, I never thought of it that way. I'm actually really glad that you, that you said it that way. I like, I've never, you know, I mean, I've had to call 911 a few times myself and I've never, you know, I figured I was just calling 911. I didn't think I was, you know, the the sure. first responder or anything like that. So that's, it's good to know and i think for anybody listening it it's it also that communication like how important it is for what you convey to that dispatcher so that the appropriate action can happen so i think that's really helpful um so banning the other thing i wanted to talk about with you today was i noticed you know following you a little bit online you you're you're doing a lot of training of of officers and, and even people, can we talk about that a little bit? Like what you're, what you're doing as far as training?
1: Sure. Um, so, you know, I've I've got my full-time position in law enforcement and, uh, I do, I'll just call extracurricular activities on my off time. Um, and that's, uh, some of that is training law enforcement. Um, I've been uh, blessed enough to receive a 30,000 square foot, uh, empty building uh here in jack county it was the old county hospital and uh i remember when the when the ceo gave that to me and i believe it was in 2017 he said i'm sorry banning it's a mess in there hopefully it'll it'll help you with if, if you guys are needing an office or whatnot and when we went in there it kind of reminded me of of something out of the movies um if somebody was trying to recreate a and i hate to 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 think of this word but a school shooting Mm. or um, a shooting in a hospital. It was, there was, there was know dust on the floor. Desks were kicked over. uh, Wires were pulled out of the walls. And and all that means is, is they, they moved, they moved from an old building. Mm. They moved into a new building. They left some stuff that they didn't need and the hospital still owned it. So they weren't in a hurry of, of getting some things out. And I loved it. We loved it exactly how it was. Uh, We were able to set up one of the wings, like a school, another wing, like a church uh, and for uh, some different, different training. We we set it up in another way that I'm not really going to go into on video uh, just to prepare people for bad situations. And, 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 you know, one of the things I do is, is in the Lone Star State here in Texas, um, the governor's is, is helped tremendously in this is getting the, the teachers the ones that can psychologically, physically, and uh, are willing to volunteer. We will, we will arm the teacher if they go through the correct training. Mm-hmm. So I've got a, a company that, that is, that does that, participates in that, whatever you want to talk about. Um, and we've worked with several districts across the state. I'm not going to go into the districts that that we work with, but, what all we essentially do and the instructors essentially do is, is make sure that that uh, male or female uh, teacher that's going to be with our next generation is capable of handling a firearm. Um, after they've gone through uh, mental screenings, they come to us and not everybody makes it do the training. I mean, we we treat these teachers as we do law enforcement. So we're going to make sure that they can handle themselves on the range. And then we go to that. What I was telling you, the hospital and go through a ton of scenarios uh, to make sure that they can truly uh, protect our next generation. And there's been some in training to where in the beginning, they, they started this long process thinking that that they're the ones that are meant to do this. And once we put them into a stress test or a real life scenario, they look at me and say, I am not the one that's meant to. Do. And I would prefer that to occur in training than when we deploy them back in their schools and they're doing what's something I can't do. And I I appreciate the heck out of teachers is, is teaching the next generation. And if the cucka hits the fan, so to speak, they're going to be able to protect the next generation. So we put them through a a lot of drills and, and that's, that's, that's some of the things that the banning does uh, on the side for training.
0: And I think, I know, I know I read that you did that and I, (laughs) I was, I thought that was fantastic because I've always, I've always thought about that. And, you know, obviously, when you hear these tragic situations, you you can't help but think if that was your child. If you were if you were a teacher in that situation, how would you react? Um, So, Banning, I know part of it, obviously, a lot of people probably hear this and think they hear firearms right away with teachers. Mm -hmm. I guess, though, I would expect I would suspect that there's more to it than that. Right. There's probably like more tactical awareness, maybe that I'll call it that maybe can. You know, if they're able to, to your point, breathe, get get themselves thinking right, right, maybe it doesn't even come to that. Maybe they're able to protect in a way before they even have to, you know, use the firearm. So is sure. that part of it also?
1: There is. So, um, you know, not to expose the the, the tactical readiness of our teachers in, in the state of Texas uh, and every district, and that's what's great. It's a, it's an ISD. So mm. It's Independence District. Uh, they can incorporate whatever training that they see fit for their campuses uh, within their control. Mm. So a lot of the ones that we work with, the armed teachers are using that gun in a last minute last ditch effort of you've cornered us, you're not hurting these kids. I'm a mama bear Papa bear of this classroom. you're going down before they are. Mm. so, there's a lot of other things that go into to place before these teachers are going to pull that out in some districts there's some districts that are very proactive and at the first sound of they're going to eliminate that threat and they initiate the training for it they train on a regular they they train more than a lot of law enforcement agencies do and and I applaud the heck of them uh for that this means that a lot of times in the state of Texas, they're not getting paid any extra to to, to carry that gun and 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 take that 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 oath, if you will, to, uh, to 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 protect these kids. And they're doing it on a voluntary basis. So what does that mean? Well, they're buying. Some districts have enough money to be able to give them money for rounds. Obviously, ammunition has gone up. It's kind of like the stock market; it it gets expensive. It goes up and down. But they're they're out there on their off time. I've had many North Texas teachers reach out to me, knowing that that I have access to different ranges uh, in the area, and they just want to pick my brain while they're shooting on the firing line and and maybe get a couple of scenarios thrown at them. But these are truly heroes. I mean, they're they're willing to go through through college and uh, teach our next generation at next to nothing for salary, and then put added you know by curious liability on themselves uh to carry a firearm because we 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 can't just go to go to school and be half awake knowing that we have a firearm on us or in a, in a safe location in the school um, because it can fall into the wrong hands so uh, props to them for that
0: yeah i applaud them and i applaud you because i mean i i just think you know obviously not just teaching our next generation i mean if as parents we're not there we're hoping that there's somebody there to, to help protect them. If, if God forbid the situation presents itself. Um, well, I think that's, I think that's amazing work that you're doing banning. And I really, you know, uh, I'm, I'm really, really happy that we got a chance to talk today. Um, you know, um, the last thing I wanted to talk about was, and what first drew me to you was you have on, on your social media, on LinkedIn, you mentioned something about your, you're, you're you know, teaching people how to smile at life. And <laughs> I just see, I look, I see everything you're doing. It's so positive, man. Like how's, I mean, obviously you're in a, an extremely stressful job, but you're really able to still keep this positive like mindset and put out this positivity. Is that, I mean, are you, are you really trying hard to do that or is it just come naturally?
1: You know, it, 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 didn't, it didn't come naturally for years. And, uh, and this job, you can, you can, you can, you know, I retired from a larger uh, agency down in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And I would find myself coming home to my, to my wife, who is a 911 dispatcher, mm. uh, um, and I'm like, man, it's just such a horrible night. It may be six in the morning. I just got off of work, but I'm going to go to the beer and I'm going to, I'm going to go to the fridge and get a beer or I'm going to, cause I don't want to think about what happened last night. And I don't want to, to talk to my wife about it because I don't want to get her sad. And, mm. and, um, and then I, throughout the years of, of learning, I finally started realizing when I come home and speak to my wife, who also has a stressful job. Uh, I'm glad that she's um she's retired from it now uh, to be a to full-time mom and 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 take care of family and whatnot. But coming home and speaking about things tends to it's almost like going to a therapist.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I, I talk a lot about mental health and uh, these guys and gals across this country are not taking care of their mental health. And I'm a huge supporter of that um. Uh, smile at life. So it's you, 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 have options. You can, you can be very sad at all the, the thousands of situations that you've seen, or to me, I mean, I'm not afraid to say it, but I'm a believer in the man upstairs. And uh, I'm not afraid to say that he puts you in different situations because he knows that you can handle it. That may be a situation that you're not going to walk away from. Um, but guess what? As a law enforcement officer, you are expendable. It's very sad, but you are there to protect lives. And sometimes when you protect lives, your life ends. Mm-hmm. So why go out of this world if, if it's your time upset, depressed? You know, I wake up every day uh, proud that the three of my children have, you know, 10 fingers and 10 toes. And, and uh, uh, there's nothing seriously medically wrong with them. Uh, my oldest just got his driver's license and I just gave him my old truck. Mm. Um, I'm sitting back protecting other people's families, and then I get to come home and watch my family grow as well. So going back to mindset, what mindset, you know, if I'm, you know, back in my twenties and thirties, when I first started this thing, the doctors were telling me, Hey, your blood pressure's high. Mm. Your, your heart rate is, is elevated more than it should be for a 28 year old, uh, You're borderline this disease, you're borderline that disease. And I was constant grump, frown. I figured I had to, if I'm a police officer, I've got to put on that meat-mugging face. It just took years to realize we're human beings. People are slowly starting to accept us as human beings. And when we come to a situation, if we greet somebody with a smile, you're going to de-escalate that situation a lot better because whatever they're going through in their life, it's bad enough to call the police. We have to realize that that that's human. They're asking for help. Why come there with the? Why did you call nine one one? What's going on? Yada yada yada. Come there with a smile. How can I help you? You know, it comes back to to customer support and mm. hey, how would we want our family members treated if law enforcement or first responders came? So I'm glad you brought that up because I get uh, on my LinkedIn and then those that are that are on LinkedIn watching this and uh, through YouTube or whatever platform you put it on. If it takes me a while to get back to you, I'm getting close to 3000 messages a day. Mm. And I'd say about 1500 of those are related to how do you smile so much? How are you handling life so well? It goes back to that mindset. We have a choice on, on what, how we want to present ourselves in public. And you'll notice if you smile a lot more out there, you're going to get a lot of smiles back and and stress levels come down, blood pressure comes down, and you're helping the entire room, not just yourself
0: yeah well i'm sitting here as you're talking about i can feel my my face is hurting from smiling so that's a good thing
1: (laughs) outstanding outstanding
0: that's awesome man so um the last thing i'll i said the last thing before but honestly this is the last thing but I, i when you mentioned it i did want to give you a chance to say this i think mental health it's so important especially with law enforcement stressful jobs what Banning, what do you say to those people who are, what I say, potentially suffering in silence? They think they're broken and they don't want to come forward or reach out for help. I mean, what do you say to them in order to maybe, you know, maybe get them to speak to someone or or come out? Sure.
1: You know, there's a there's a ton of organizations out there that these first responders won't have to pay for. And um, I typically don't advertise them, but I'm, I'm impressed with one right now that I've sent a lot of folks to. And that's it's called the Wounded Blue. Uh, the gentleman named Randy Sutton, that's the founder of it. He's out of Las Vegas. He was a Las Vegas Metro uh, police officer out there. And I'm I'm so impressed with how they're running that organization. I'm going to kind of give them some props. So these law enforcement guys, first responders, uh, even military. And I know military has a ton of resources out there and, and first responders are just now getting it, but you have got to talk to somebody. If you Start feeling that. I'm not going to call it blue, man. If you're, if you're going home and you're going to hurt yourself, you're going to hurt somebody else. Get on LinkedIn, reach out to me. I'll put you direct. I mean, I will have you in contact with somebody within just a few short minutes and you're going to start seeing your life turn back to normal. When you start unpacking what's going on in your head, I've experienced it. I've gotten help. I'm not afraid to tell anybody that I've seen so many bad things in this to where I've had to go get help. Cause I thought, man, what, what's this rapid heart rate? Why do I feel this way in public? What's going on here? What's going on there. Once I was able to unpack it and figure out what's going on and got a game plan on, on how to unpack that stuff for the rest of my life. Now I can kind of show people how to do it and, and and shoot them in the right direction for it. So mental health, uh, absolutely the most important thing for, for law enforcement.
0: That's outstanding. And I think just, you know, obviously this, I'm going to be playing a lot of this clip because I think it's a really important. And I think just that last bit you said, I mean, I listen, I, I believe this, especially as men, as men, I think men are less likely to mention this because they're, they think something's wrong or it's not macho. I mean, sure. to to see a man like you openly willing and willing to admit it and talk it, talk about it. And then, you know, trying to help others with it. I think it's fantastic. So Banning thank you so much. It's been an honor to have you on today. I really appreciate you coming on today. Um I hope hope this helps a lot of people and I think it shows like you guys most most police officers, law enforcement, they're they're out there, they're human just like the rest of us. They're out there trying to help. And like Banning said, you know, their job isn't to hurt, it's to help. And I think we all just they need our support. So everyone please support our police and Banning thank you again
1: hey thanks brother i appreciate you having me on and uh we'll definitely have to do it again sometime.
0: sounds good to me well thanks everybody for watching and keep up with banning i'll put some links in the notes where you can uh check them out on social media and uh, this has been the the bare essentials thanks for listening
1: and remember never hibernate on your goals